If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. This is the Yo Access Jamaica podcast. Reasonings with Odessa. Episode 27. It's all about the Dutty Cup. That's me. <laughs> and this song is such a beautiful song. It's called Dimension. Big up J5, top, top producer, Grammy Award winning J5. And it features Afro pop star Rema and UK rapper Skepta. And you guys can listen to more of this on my African Vibes, OXS Jamaica Spotify playlist. Yes, we're doing playlists now, baby. So, um,. How have you guys been doing? How have you guys been coping during this pandemic? I mean, it's been really, really rough in Jamaica with a lot of lockdown and curfew and all of them things there. There's more abuse happening with our women and it's just... But we have to, you know, keep going. We have to keep talking to our brothers and sisters, uplifting each other and listening to our women more and educating our men and our young girls. I want to dedicate this show to a dear friend of mine who passed away from COVID and his name is Trevor Bailey. Now I'm getting a bit emotional because I wouldn't be the producer or the production person I am today if it wasn't for Trevor Bailey. Trevor Bailey was a person that kicked off an army of careers for people such as myself, Kevin Lee, Ras Kassa, Nordia Rose. And if you're in Jamaican production, you would understand and know. So this episode is fully dedicated to Trevor Bailey. May soul rest in peace. All right, guys. So this podcast is named Dotty Cup because I sat down with a dear friend, one of my dearest friends in the business, none other than the prolific Sean Paul. And I named this podcast from Dotty Cup to Dotty Rock because we talked about basically everything. Sean did not mince words. He did not hold back. And it was just truly an honor that I could have my brother sit down and we just have a reasonings and just talk about basically everything. So sit down and grab a cocktail and um, let's just rock and reggae with this one. This is Sean Paul, Reasonings with Odessa. T.A. when I have people on the show with me. But this brother, 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 from like no other, brother, brother, is one of Jamaica's most prolific Jamaican artists, producers, everything. Somebody that I've known since I moved to Jamaica, and I'm happy to have you with me, Sean. Thank you, Eddie. Dot T.A. Hey. Hey, 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 one word. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So, Reasonings today um. is brought to you by Lady B Mixology. And Cheers. it's a passion, a strawberry passion fruit kind of rum-flavoured mix-up thing. But she's on IG, so you tangy need to go rum. and check her out. It's nice. The tangy rum, you know, the freshness. Mm-hmm. Refreshing. Sean. Yes, ma'am. How's your spirit? Good. A lot better than a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. You know, a um, couple months ago, I kind of was dumped by all of this news about this pandemic thing and 
just a racial thing that we're going in a big country like America and mm. you know I, and I really did lock off a couple of months at least probably six months kind of was out mm-hmm. it's only after August I start or September I start come out yeah come out of my shell and go back to studio and, and I've been very busy in studio since that you had a great 2020 though mind you how many yeah. how many hits did you put out I got 20 songs out but I've worn it more, you know? yeah. so, but it's just 20 that came out. You so. know, I've always wanted to ask you, when you, you're very melodic, mm-hmm. your sound has always been melodic, how do you put together, when somebody gives you a rhythm or you're producing a beat, how do you put that together? It's a natural thing. It has to do with, I guess, what you listen to as a kid um, and, and, and how, how you perceive music, uh, what, what, which artists or which producers you love and that type of vibe. So when I hear a rhythm, I usually hear the melody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some, a lot of the times, no. Back in the day, I used to write the lyrics out or have the lyrics ready. Um, no, it's just like I, I know that feeling, I feel the melody, and I start putting the words to it. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the rhythm tells you what to say. So some of them want me to be emotional, some of them want me to be lovey-dovey, some of them want me to be more party vibe, some of them say talk about girl, weed, um, it tells me, mm. but it's just, it's just natural how I feel and sometimes I do get confused, like I get more than one vibe and yeah. if you can uh, scratch your beard and say, I wonder which one now. So I ended up, I've ended up doing two songs on one rhythm a couple of times. Really? Yeah, DJ Frost have two things for me a couple of years ago. Um, one is called Give Thanks for Life, and the next song is called Climb It, or I think Ride It, sorry. So one is a girl's tune, and one is a more reality-based yeah. tune. But it's just, it's just what the rhythm tells me, you know, and I, and I feel like the people going kind of tell me. People in Jamaica, or even on the internet, all about, they will kind of vote and say, like this. Yeah. So. Did you ever know that... When you got your first hit, what was the first song you did? That's the thing when I met you with first Jeremy. Song, yeah, first song that came out was a song called Baby Girl. Yeah. Never I, been I was on actually in album. the studio when, I don't think you remember, and I was telling Jeremy that I was in the studio, <laughs> up at Jeremy Yard, mm. when he recorded that. And did you ever know that you were going to be so prolific once that song was out? Did you ever think you were going to be Sean Paul? I can't remember voicing that and everybody going, yeah, I know, I love the feeling, but by the next day I was like, oh my God this up <laughs> I gotta I gotta go back with the pen because a lot of other people I knew had five six seven songs ready for spit and and I had a few dub plates that was cool but but that was my first single and it was really a song that most people didn't know from me so I started get cracking in the studio now any rhythm that gave me a melody I was like yeah let's go in yeah man it was like it was an instant hit in Jamaica. It was an it was. instant hit. And it's been a whirlwind since that for me yeah. in terms of, you know, just, just people coming at you for reading, for song, for do song with them, for go on their reading, for shows, for dub plates, for just appearances. It, it's been a whirlwind. It, it opened up a whole heap of doors in my life. So mm. music is something that, that I've always appreciated and loved, but it, it, it changed my life. Um, as, as it does with so many people. Um, so I see it as a blessing and, and I, I just, I, I wish that, that everybody saw the blessings that they get from start like, and, 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 and cherish that mm-hmm. as, as people because life is hard. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of things that, that come that, that are in our way mm-hmm. in terms of our goals and aspirations and things. And music can free it up for you and a lot of people around you. So that's a blessing. Jana, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. What keeps you so humble? You're one of the most humble artists, stars that I know. <laughs> Aside from a pupa, but yeah. you're one of the most <laughs> humble people that I know. Like you are on next level shit that most Jamaican artists really want to be at. And you're still Sean. You're still Sean that I know that used to carry Granny to the supermarket in his red swift little swift. <laughs> you know, Don't you it. haven't changed from that. You're just still the same person. What is it that keeps you so humble? 
I think that, that when I actually got into music, you know, when you look at people like Beanman, he was nine years old or five years old when he started to actually perform for crowds. Um, and that's a stage of development in a child's life, you know what I mean? So I didn't do that type of... Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I think till I was 24 years old. At 15 and 17, I was trying to build beats and write rhymes, but I never took it serious. I never thought that I would have songs out, really, and thought maybe I'd put out a song and just be like an anonymous DJ, and people would be like, who that? Um, but the ones that did that, it was like, yo, the who that them was, was very loud. Mm-hmm. And it was like, we want to know this guy. You must show him face, like, let's see you. So that's really what started my, 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 my career, but... Um, I guess I was, I knew myself before I was a developed person, you know what I mean? Um, that's what I attribute it to. You think that. it's the Capricorn in you? Yeah, the Capricorn, the, the grounded mom, the bossy wife, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they, the crazy kids, Yeah. everything they keep me, um, I'm a brother too, yeah. uh, I'm very close with him, he's worked with me forever, um, even when people don't see him, he is... Someone, he's man, yeah, he's yeah, big yeah. up Jason. Yeah, he's somebody who I always been bouncing ideas off. I mean, we did share the same room till I was 25 years old. Wow. It was funny because I would come back from tour, <laughs> me and him come back from tour, and him have him girl and me have my girl, and we in the bed, and we're like, this can't wear Because on tour, he got his own room, yeah. you know what I mean? So it was like, yo, this this kind of mad, no. But, you know, I, I, that's, that's just how it was in our family for a while and we couldn't do any different. But, um, you know, as I said, God bless me, man, and, and things. So he's been there from the first utterings. He was like, yo, that bad, mm-hmm. and, and encouraged me. And then he got into a sound system with Copper Shot and yeah. Sean and Matty them. And from school days, they were playing at Sweet Sixteens and... Not many people know that my aunt owned a disco called Sparkles Disco. And so, and so that's been a part, like, I was carrying box from as a kid. They would have dances at my yard. So people don't understand, like, the Uptown Sound System vibe, mm-hmm. they don't, but like, there's a lot of people watching right now and they just think dancehall is just country and a ghetto thing. Mm-hmm. They don't understand that we had dancehall and we had sound systems within Uptown communities as well. Yeah, and we was, we was the rebels in yeah. terms of a lot of society didn't want to see that happen, mm-hmm. didn't think it, was, it could happen. A lot of my friends who I would show my rhymes to, say, yo, check out this baby. They're like, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? And they would be talking about which college they're going to, and, and I, couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't see myself in that direction, you know what I mean? Um, so it's a thing, it's a thing. But, but yeah, being, as I said, being, an uptown kid that's, that, that wanted to do dance hall and I wanted to be involved and just wanted a song that people would say, yeah, bam, 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 to um, that, that made me feel like, you know, I'm a little rebellious. I think you guys kind of started that thing. I was in Clubhouse and I got on a Clubhouse talk with Jeremy and we were talking yeah. and it was like the Clubhouse room was about New York mm. dance hall yeah. and I was just talking about I was around when the rhythms that Jeremy was making and the sound that Uptown Sound System and Uptown Music, that what they did is that they coined a little different sound and a different vibe yeah. and made it into the whole vibe of what dancehall is ha- was happening in the 90s. And like Max Glazer and a couple of people were like, wow, they didn't even know that was how it happened because they don't really understand the culture of how we were, you know what I mean? The vibe that we went through when we were growing up in Jamaica, in Kingston, back in the days from... We paid attention to everything mm-hmm. that was happening in dancehall and also what was happening in hip-hop. And, and that gave us an edge because um, certain little words or phrases or certain things was like, you know, what? How do you say that? And... and um, it just gave us an edge. Mm-hmm. I, I remember Kid Corrupt and Flo 
people like um, Luga man. Mm-hmm. Dirty cup. Yeah, dirty cup. You know, I floor. actually called you guys dirty utensils. <laughs> <laughs> dirty cup. Yeah. Well, the cup was really a ganja pipe. Ah, see, people don't know that. That's yeah. you. A lot of people never know that. And I'm thinking, what do you mean by dirty cup? And yeah, I mean ganja pipe. Oh. We, we were all weed connoisseurs. All right, let's name them out first. So we're going to Dotty Cup. So Darigan, R.I.P. to him. Rest he was the founder. Darigan. And he actually started a group with your brother. Yes. With Dini. Yeah. And um, what's his name? Um, Kilcoe's son, David. With David, yeah. David Cole, who is engineer for the Marlies. Marlies with Damien and yeah. Yeah. And um, that they called it, uh, he was freestyling in the studio one day. And him said, like the dirty cup and make we burn down room. And your brother said, yo, the butt. Yo, where you say where that go? He said, dirty cup, what you mean by all oh, the cup, all oh, that bad? Yeah. So the group was started without me or anybody of uh, us in it. Um, about probably a year passed and a lot of Sandy Park guys got involved because it's Daddy Gun crew that and they would go to parties and say, dirty cup crew. And then... The link made at the studio with me going there to the dubs for Renaissance mm-hmm. and Kappa Shot mm-hmm. and the council. You remember them yeah, party there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kim them yeah. and Marcus Crawford them and Amayu there. Um, you know, the, the whole link, the whole campion, that was yeah. a campion link. And they, they were the first people that came to me. Daniel Abbott came to me and said, youth. I hear you say a DJ, I want a dub. I hear you say you sound like cat. I want a dub. Yeah. I want to kill Renaissance. <laughs> so I went to that studio and started linking with Dadigan. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Dadigan was a big DJ in, the, in that camp at yeah. the time. People used to know him as Ezra or Boji. I used to call him Boji. Boji, yeah. <laughs> so, so him now um, start just befriending me you know, as somebody who not from the same area as him. But but then we woke up one day in Sovereign, Sovereigns, <laughs> <laughs> and he and he it has a supermarket. It's like a mall. The mall. And he, yeah, it so was he the mall it was the mall. Yeah, <laughs> it had the hottest club yeah. in the world. Mirage, I call it the Mirage. <laughs> <laughs> Real thing. Yeah, yeah, the hottest club in the world. I still say it because that club had TVs on the ground, TVs the, it in was the wall, playing all kind of different <laughs> videos while you're listening. It was. It was. Whole it was light hot. show, up and down mm-hmm. level, VIP, something, restaurant in there. It was crazy. It was crazy. So we started linking on the steps outside. And he was like, well, I go on DJ. He was like the first person to call me DJ. And then he was like, yo, you know, Dini and, and um, Jake, David, David kind of not involved with the vibe no more. David want to produce. My uh, brother doesn't do any mounting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so... We did say, I'm saying, come in at the group, Dutty Cup, and I could do it. And he gave me the nickname Shanda Paul. Ah. You know what I mean? So I owe him a holy because he, he really, and I'm still in touch with him family to this day. Him, him daughter and him son, um, him brothers, sister and mom. All of them mean a lot to me because mm-hmm. um, if it wasn't for his encouragement at the time, me being probably well, I was about 21. And my mother looked at me like, what are you doing with your life, boy? <laughs> and I talked to my little brother and I said, no, follow the youth, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Her confidence in me was becoming weak. And, mm-hmm. and you know, my, my mom is a very big part of my life, so I was eager to prove myself to her. So at the time, I was doing U-Tech, which was called CAS at the time. CAS, yeah. And I had wanted to get in for hotel management for, for architecture, but didn't have the grades and then put me in hotel management, say you can transfer if you have good grades after the first year. But 80 girl was in my class. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yo, I ain't moving from here. <laughs> and you know, by the third year there, my career was in full, full takeoff. And so the last exams I didn't do, I, it was just too much. And I, I said to myself, I said to my mom, to, my mom, mom to, I'm gonna do a year. And, and if that year doesn't prove to me to be something that I can contribute financially to the household, mm-hmm. then I'll go back to the school. Because the first year of school, I had worked in a bank and I saved up my money, 70-something grand, buy my book then, pay the tuition, go to school. My mom had to pay the second two years. And so she was very disappointed with me not finishing. 
And I said to her, I said, our money back. Yeah, I was like, let me show you. And within a month, I was, I was making money. Yeah. And she was like, all right, go on the way I do. Um, but she's an artist and she was very kind of uh, skeptical about me being in an artist type of life. Because today I had to, tomorrow you're not. Um, people, My dad had the same yeah. thing for his children. He's like, entertainment is, is seeds, it's just, it's seedy, yeah, it's it this, a, it's that. It's a crazy thing. Mm. It's a crazy thing. So she was very mindful of it. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. And, and made me that way as well, and, and thick skin at first. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, I mean, I've had people tell, big producers tell people that, boy, Dutty Cup crew for DJ over at Thailand because beer shit had come out them out. <laughs> and it was like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, that crushed us, you know, away. But with people like that, going to say, no, he yeah. was always positive. Yeah. And he always came up with like the weirdest Look at talk, slang That's why he was so fresh as a DJ yeah. too, you know? And yeah. So how, um, did, how did how did we meet Luga and and our and boy Master from Kid Yeah. And Chicken. So Chicken was from Sandy Park. Mm-hmm. Um Danute was someone I went to school with. He was a table tennis champion or I was a swimming champion. And I had aspirations like him, I wanted to DJ, but when I saw him doing it at the Lizaka parties I would go to our 24 night 24 karat night yeah. nightclub, I'd see him come up there and just grab the mic and show yeah. me back, back. And I was like, yo. I was like, I can't do that, you know what I mean? I, 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 he gave me confidence too. So Kid Corrupt and him used to park. And Corrupt actually made it on one of the biggest jugglings I can remember. Poor people fed up juggling, mm-hmm. fed up rhythm. And he had a song called, Wife, you feel good, pressure, make a girl know you a big yeah, trendsetter. Yeah. That was the biggest. <laughs> yeah. That's a big tune. And then he had a hiatus for a year because he got in trouble. So when he came back, um, Danny Youth was kind of doing his own thing and touring a lot. And he was like, yo. And he started to roll with us. So that's how Corrupt got involved. Um, so it was me, Corrupt, and Dadigan for a time. Um, Luga, man, I know him from Third World. His, his pops is Richard Daly. Mm-hmm. And, and my father was very good friends with all of them. Mm-hmm. So I just knew him as a kid growing up. And also, a massive kid, my father and his father used to swim together as oh. kids, so live in the same community up at Mona. So, um, it was I just, like a nice little Mona community. It was like yeah, yeah. Mona, BT, Sandyhurst, yes. Higgany Mona, that kind of collection and San, of everybody. Sandy Park and, yeah. and Standpipe. And so yeah. the, the link started to kind of become stronger. And the look at Jack Seal Studio was the kind of the meeting the little, place. Yeah. And from there we started to say, yo, we could go mixing lab, we could go Buja Studio. Don't, even, even before Buja had his big studio, now he had one called. Cell Black 3 to 1. Up, yeah, with Cell. Uh, yeah, um, with Cell. Yeah. yeah, so so we'd go around there and I'd be a fly on the wall at the time. And I mean, I'd sit and just watch Beanman voice, sit and watch um, Bounty Killer come outside. I, them years, Bounty would just drink beer, Pepsi. You remember them years? And I tell beer story and everybody in the parking lot are listening. Yeah, it's just everybody around, just beer jokes. Beer jokes. And Bounty's a comedian. He, People don't really understand that. He's, he is yeah. hilarious. Trust me, trust yeah. me. Those who know him, you know, say he, he's very, very witty. That yeah. way. So, and, and that's what a lot of DJs respect him for. Yeah. Uh, and I've respected him for over the years. Other than him doing breaking artists and things, him just being the DJ himself. He's very talented in that respect. Yeah. Um, little sayings too and little, little jokes, them way there. So I would watch that, watch Sly Billion Beats. And honestly, at those times, I, I don't think nobody talked to me when I went in the studio. I just go and stand up. Stand and up watch. in a corner, yeah. And just take it in and say, ah, oh, this is how people voice. And, you know, I, I remember watching it. And it's um, a one take situation. Yeah. It's not how it is today. No. It's if you don't get it right, you're going to have to pay for the tape, yep. which was like $8,000 them yep. days there. It's, it's, <laughs> a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a serious thing. That. Yeah. So even, even Future Fambo say, 
uh, one of the first record, the first recording he did, ay ay So he was telling me the story that at first the rhythm they, they didn't press. Something happened with the rhythm, and that's why him intro was like ay When he, the, the rhythm dropping was ay ay So but he just went straight after that. So sometimes, you know, them things that they teach me, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, so you have to be on point. So you have to know your tune inside first out. First take. Yeah, for the first take, from before you even record. It's not even dub plate. This is like, you know, because the, the studio time is being paid for. It's one producer. He might be, he's pressured by 20 odd DJs waiting outside. I mean, I also had the, the great, the great, um, <laughs> the great, well, it was opportunity of being told that I wasn't good enough by a great producer walk into the room and he's like, oh, you name so? I get your demo tape. Hey, man. All right. And he look upon everybody in the room. There's like 19 DJs in the room. He say, you, you look tired. Go home. You, your mother call you. You, you, your pressure the AC. You, your shoe them dirty. You, mash up the carpet. You, all on come out. <laughs> And everybody look for me now, like say, oh, who done you, you tell me how run we out? I'm talking, there's a big DJ, right? Wow. So he, he only left um, Ancient Monarchy, who was known as Frisco Kid back in the day, and Wayne Wonder in the studio. And everything made him run the rhythm, which was a little bit, little bit, little bit, man. So me, daddy, I'm a DJ. Everything that I DJ at the time was more conscious. Yeah. So me, I say, it's an alarm. This is it, I get a story. Read about it in the star and watch it. Next tune. Them did we, but now them strong. Next tune. I was like, damn. So I got you about eight tune. I was like, you know what? I like when the DJ pan story with him. Come on, tell you. I was like, oh, oh damn. I'm a face, like, tears swell up in my eye. Come and say, man, I need that, you know. I, mean, this the, I look up to this dude as a great producer and thing, and he might tell me I'm not up to standard, so I had homework to do. I'm driving back. As Steve Wilson was in the car, he's management mm -hmm. today. And he was like, yo, you all right, bro? I was like, no, dog, man, man mush me up. <laughs> like, I feel like right now I should give the fuck up, excuse my language, but yeah. yeah. No, we could swear, but, it's fine. Yeah, so, but them little dues that way you pay as, as a younger artist, them time there, I, I, I realize that now a lot of artists don't have to go through that. No. So to me, there is a, I mean, even with your dad's generation too, you would have to go and bleed. You see it in Harder They Come, you see it in the movie, mm -hmm. and that was a true life mm -hmm. depiction of what was happening in Jamaica, and it still happened up mm -hmm. to the day when I was doing my thing. You have to prove yourself. You have to pay your dues, I yeah, think. Yeah, you wait. That's why I was telling people that I think artists, even though we are very narcissistic, because we're always thinking about ourselves, the song, the video, the radio show, the, you know, everything. We, it's all about us, right? Um, the, uh, the pictures, everything you do. So, but even though we are that, we are also some of the most patient people on the earth, mm -hmm. especially the generations before me and, mm -hmm. and me, because... For 50 people are line up and you know you're in competition with them and them outside talking and smoking with you and the Remember first chance sometimes you don't even know how they get there exactly. like credit t was telling me a story like he had 20 dollars in his pocket one time and if he didn't know if he was gonna make it home or not yeah. and he had to just hold I... on to that 20 dollars while he's outside the studio look my man like like merciless you have to come from country yeah and you don't know nobody in town even that happened to toots i was listening to a story where toots told r.i.p to him and he was saying, you know, is, is, is he, he heard about um, that in town was a thing, so he wanted to go there. And then take a, he'd take a bus and come off in one place, and he must say, so this is town. And everybody said, no, boss, I'm here paying this. <laughs> and he left a revamp, <laughs> isn't it? But yeah, the most patient people, I mean, to be able to sit down and write out a whole song, then go and wait a turn. Then when the pressure is on, you have to deliver. It's, it's, it's a pressure, you yeah. know? So now it's just digital. Yeah. Now and it's just send me the song and me. Mm -hmm. But the old vibe of being in the studio, to me, still makes a song a hit. Yeah, man. With, with, with people there. Send in. With people there, with, with, with the whole vibe, the connection is, is much stronger and the song 
it probably mean even more to the artist after a while. You know? mm -hmm. So Dotty Cop came, went, and what was it that you blew up? Was it was it get busy? It was give me the light. That give me the light. Um, before that was deport them. So I, I did a song called Deport them for Tony Kelly. Buck him up in the studio on Penthouse, and he was like, youth. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if I read him for you, you sound like cat. I mean, him Tony Kelly, me, but I'm gonna say, Tony Kelly, me, no, no you, bro, you're crazy. Like that. <laughs> yeah, because he produced Get a Red Hat yeah. and a bag of songs for Super Cat, who's my father in the business. And I was like, yo, I'm ready immediately. So Before you jump into that, what was it about Super Cat that made you? Is it you can identify with the look, you can identify it with the sound. It was the tone of voice. The tone of the tone voice. Of, every, even when I was in school. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Cool, I almost trying to DJ on the desk, them DJ Shabachun. They were like, You sound like cat. Go sit down, you sound like cat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, DJ a major worries tune because I love this style. Um, and he influenced Shabbat, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, they, they were like, you sound like a cat. So f there was that connection from the beginning. And every time I heard a cat song, super cat song, it's, it's a feeling, you know? And the first time I heard myself on a track, that feeling was there. And I was like, that's, like, that's, my, that's my way in the biz. I shouldn't try sound like Shabbat or Erica. I don't have that big voice. That raspy voice. You're melodic, the, though. Yeah, more, more melodic, and the tone is kind of like mid-range to high tone. So I figured I'd say, oh, right, and, and, I, and I respected the way Supercat would have songs where it's about a woman, then him have a next song where it's about life, and him, him a cry for the youths. It was reality in his thing, and, and it was also... Badman. You know, Badman, rude boy, <laughs> and also the ladies, man. Yeah. So, to me, that was the flavor. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. It wasn't all about being just bad man or all about just being a yeah. ladies man. It was he had a good and mix yeah, of it. You yeah. know what I mean? So you identify that with you? Yeah. Have you always been the ladies man. As, as a kid, as a youngster, probably <laughs> well, I wanna be. Age. I wanna be ladies man. <laughs> At this point, Levi is more of a ladies man than I was when I was three years old. This dude that got girlfriends, he's him not easy. Yeah, so. But yeah, it, I mean... Deport Them. Yeah, Deport Them was one of the, the first hit songs out here. And then um, I remember, that was 98, and I remember in 2000, I went to New York, and I was with a DJ, we went into the club, we knocked off the club, and I came back into the car, and we were driving, it was 2.30 at night, and as we turned on the radio, boom, 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 and he was like, yo! You don't know how big this is. And I was like, this is a fucking song I play on the radio. And he's like, no, bro. It's 2.30 at night on a Wednesday evening. Dance hall don't play them time here, bro. Mm -hmm. You're playing. I watch. And so that song blew up. And then um, Chilalala with Vegas yeah. also blew up. Yeah. And um, I put on my first video. album. Yeah. Kevin Lee. Big up yourself on Castle. Yeah. Kevin. Yeah, that was, a, that was a, a monumental video for me. Yeah. Because the song was a hit song and... But visually out of Jamaica... Nothing was like looking like that. Nothing was like that. that. So nothing I really want to like like give props to Kevin and Casa Because yeah, they kind of changed the vibe of what music video looked like mm -hmm. as well, locally. And we wanted to, to portray the vibe that me and Vegas was fighting over the girls. So we're competing on the bikes and... We actually wanted to try do skydiving too, where we were like <laughs> fighting in the sky. And they were like, Kevin and Castle were like, bro, what? what? <laughs> we were like, maybe a football game then. And so they was like, the bike them is enough, bro. I go make it look crazy. And they did. Yeah. Um, so it was a great vibe. And then, as I say, from those little things, I put out the album with VP. And then VP had sold probably 30,000 units for their biggest artist at the time. And this, this album went 75,000. So it was like, yo, it was an indication that this youth have a different direction going. And then they were like, next album. And I was like, all right. So, yeah, it, it, those were the first two tunes. And then Give Me The Light came. And Give Me The Light went not just to New York and Canada. Global. Everywhere. Yeah. 
the, the, the visuals, and that was like the first time I've even seen you dance. <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell you the early years. The early years, I had a broke knee, mm. and I'm not blaming it. I, you know, I'm not the best dancer, but we can't do my yeah. thing. You know what I mean? And we can't push my foot, but. Them early years are like my first Sunfest in 1998. I got bad reviews. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. can't move. But a lot of people didn't know that I had one knee. Wow. And if you've ever been, if you ever had a giant that doesn't work anymore. Yeah. I, have, uh, I have arthritis in one knee. Right now my knee ban up. And it makes it immobile. Like you, just to move to the to right there, you have to kind of undo your thing. So it, it, it was something that I just knew that if I said, Oh, but I have a broke knee at this time. People be like, shut the fuck up, bro. So, yeah. <laughs> but let's keep that quiet. And, and I went through, and it took years to heal. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, that was that. And, and, you know. It was over for that. It was like, I was like, fucking hell, Sean is Chan Gun. Bumper Clash, Gun. Give me the light. It was. Give me the light. Dope. It was dope. I remember the first treatment we got was me in the bushes with a chalice. And we were like, no, bro, we don't want to go that direction. <laughs> That's typical at this point. So you can, you, you can, what people don't understand about, about, about presenting your artwork, you have to know what's going on out there right now. So you don't actually be repetitive or boring in that respect. So. I didn't want to be somebody with coconut trees and a chalice at that point. Mm -hmm. At that point, I wanted to seem flashy, like even spaceship mm -hmm. type of world. Mm -hmm. So Little X was the one saying, all right, this is a dark room. You have a square on the ground. You reach and you don't see nothing, but you still step and then the light lights up. We're like, yeah. That, that, cause that, Starting. Yeah, that, yeah. Kind of, that kind of, it was even reminiscent of how I felt at first, like, where am I going with this? Mm -hmm. Am I really going in the proper direction for my life? Am I, am I throwing my life away like what my mom might be thinking? Like, you know what I mean? So, because, you know, just like with being a YouTube star now, you know, everybody wants to do it, but there's billions of competition, so mm -hmm. you might not make it. Mm -hmm. um, it was the same thing back in the day of being an artist. It wasn't so much that everybody can just kind of bust themselves by putting their stuff out on the Instagram. Mm -hmm. It was like, you're taking a big chance with your time in life. Mm -hmm. You're going to spend two years trying to be that artist and it doesn't work mm -hmm. for you. So that was a big issue in my brain at them time there. And, you know, we just pushed through and we just trusted in the feeling. Um, I smoke my weed and people tell you, say, you're mad. <laughs> just trust that feeling there. I'm like, no, mad. I know what I feel. You know what I mean? When you when you when you tour, what is the most what when you used to go well, because we're in the pandemic now and tour life has stopped. But when you're on tour, what is it that you miss the most about Jamaica? The people, the food, um, just the, just the, just the everyday um, thing, you know. I just had a friend that recently moved away, probably two years ago, and they came back Christmas time, just before Christmas, do the quarantine thing, them come check me. And his wife was like, he's like, you just, it's so sterile in America, you know? I said, you miss the dirt. And she, <laughs> said, <laughs> and she said, yeah. Because, you know, it's just a certain type of, you know, even though things do need to be fixed and cleaned up in our country, yeah. But there's just a certain sterility to that type of life that, that, that's in a, those big countries. That it, it, it almost seems dead. Mm -hmm. And you don't speak to nobody, you mm -hmm. pass them on the road. You might love them shoes or, or them, the skirt or chevron, but you, you, you kind of don't, almost don't dare say nothing. There's mm -hmm. only Caribbean people going yeah. like, yo, mate, say hello, go yeah. down your treads. Nice, yeah, yeah. But, but like, when you live in foreign, you don't see that often. And so coming back here, she was like, boy. And it's the same thing for me when I'm, in, when I'm abroad. It's the people you miss, the personalities, the, 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 the fact that people can just say, yes, DJ on the road, and you yeah. just go about your average yeah. thing. And, Without and, no and fan, just, fandom or fanatical craziness. And you just call you where you is. Yo, yeah. I go on red boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. It is no offense to me because. We're not politically correct. We're just putting that out of the way immediately. Yeah. Why go on fat ass? Yeah. And it's like, all right. They're calling you what you is. So, <laughs> so, um, or what you look like. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, 
them things they miss, just the personality and as I said, food and the place itself to look up and see the hills them and the, the mountain them and we have a conversation like you could live anywhere in the world and you say there's still nothing like Jamaica. There ain't. Yeah. There isn't. I, I've been to many I've been over hundred hundred twenty countries on earth. Twenty of them is African country. Mm-hmm. And I, I do love over there. Mm-hmm. And I, I love Tahiti. Tahiti reminds me of Portland, just a bigger version. The clear water them and, and things like that. But then it's just a difference in the people too. Mm-hmm. That it's not the same. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I've traveled to like Caribbean islands, you go Barbados, and people not like them grill. They don't have a grill. And you're like, what? <laughs> I know a girl that went there for work. And she said, she want to put up her grill them in the house where she rent. And they were like, grill? What's you mean that? grill in the kitchen? And <laughs> she's like, no, grill. Like, you know, for, for black old people, they're like, we don't have that here, babe. Like, you don't have more about that. Back in the day. That, yeah, you used Paris to go to sleep with all your door open. But, but things change, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, and Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Even though it's not the same as then, when I'm away from here, I still miss... I miss Jamaica. Yeah. Every time I leave, I'm like... You know what I mean? Miss the little thing then. Like for me right now, just the other day, I took a drive out to the country. I'm going to miss Fates Pen, the old fucking yeah. Fates Pen. I'm going to miss the it. The smell of the food and I, I don't care if it was unsanitary. Yeah. <laughs> I want the food and I want the grease. Because right now, it look empty to me. There's no, there's nobody stops in there. And that's a shame. Yeah. Things like that. The kind of spring. Yeah. The, the, the trailer, is the trailer gonna fall? Is it not gonna fall? <laughs> the Cremo tra- One time yeah. the Cremo trailer dropped, <laughs> I had like Buckingham orange juice packed Everywhere. up on the back of my car going back God, to Gibson. Yeah, man. But it's certain little things. And, and even though with, with people who want to progress as a society, as a society would find some of those things. Um, you know, a drawback. When you do go away for a certain period of time, you miss not everything that's bad, mm-hmm. but you miss some of the, the dirt. I miss I the saying. dirt. <laughs> I miss the fuckery. I, I'm sorry, I do miss it. Yeah. I, I, I miss cussing taxi drivers until <laughs> a couple of days later, I'm like back to, like, no, I hate them all. I hate all taxi drivers. Yeah, exactly. Apart from my taxi driver. But... Like, I, I just I can't stand that people. <laughs> Go around and pick up them dog poop. And, and no, like, that guy, that's what? manure. <laughs> <laughs> it's loaded dog, dog. I'll make it wash away. You know, you wash away. Are we burning it? It's so good. This is <laughs> a what different you, place. What advice would you give your 20-year-old self today? Uh, let's embrace your life. It's going to be a crazy ride. And keep doing, doing what you're doing. You know what I mean? I don't, I, I don't want to change nothing that happened in my life. The good and the bad times. The times my father went to prison or when my mother and my father had a big fight on Christmas Day and he boxed her down and walked down the road and go and go take him coke. Them thing that was like... Mm, that's crazy. That's shocking to me as a kid. And, you know, people don't, don't know I went, we went through that type of things. Um, no, they just feel set. Uptown youth, you know, it's yeah. just uptown youth, man. Them have it easy, them have it easy, and they're it's not, not every really uptown youth. I've known and people that kill uptown themselves. Uptown is just the area you live in. It's you, you could have, you could be uptown and live in a real fucked up situation, yeah. house. And you I, don't I, have everything in there, but you just live uptown. I know kids who kill themselves because of their situation. Because growing up uptown, sometimes it, it doesn't mean you have money all the time. So you kind of feel like on the fence, like it's like. Oh, you don't belong. Mm-hmm. And I know people like that. And 
I know people. Yeah, I know it, people yeah, like and it, it's unfortunate. I'm not saying we're having a hard like ghetto life, mm -hmm. but there is suffering as well, mm -hmm. you know. And so I, I feel that. And everybody can have empathy once you yeah. know somebody's story. And that kid yeah, in the yeah. ghetto, that kid growing up in the country, and that kid uptown actually talks. It's actually mm -hmm. the same situation that everybody's the going through. I heard Monty Killer say it once, he come to a dance in Narbrook, and he say, "Yo, uptown, my blood clot." You know, I said, the whole of Jamaica, one big ghetto. Everybody in there was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> but, it's, but it's not as dire as, as in, you know, Waterhouse or, or places like that. But as I say, it's not everybody uptown is a rich kid mm -hmm. that, that just takes trips to Miami every week. It's, it's not that way all the time. So um, I, I work with a celebrity dad and I never had to do exactly. go to go Exactly. Your, your father worked hard yeah. for four months, David. Yeah. And, you know, there's things like that that just, um, I think those things kind of forged me into the diamond that I became. Because you're expected to be a certain way, and then when you're not, you feel like an outcast. You feel like, oh, I don't belong in any place. But that's fine. Yeah. But at the is. end of the day, it makes you more unique. It does. Now that you're older, it makes you feel that I'm dynamic because I, I'm on. I'm yeah. on both sides. I know, I know both but sides. I would leave my private school and go to my council house, my mm -hmm. council house that I grew up in London. Yeah, man. And people were like, but you went to a private school, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but I said, I have a balance. Mm -hmm. And for me, that made me feel unique. Yeah, Always same way. a little... Same way. Yeah. Um, I had a sister, you know, um, Tamika and daughter, Sarah. She's a, she's a pastor. So, but <laughs> she went to school with me at Hillel Prep School. Yeah. And she would leave there every day and go to Trenchtown, yeah. where she lived, and sleep on board yeah. bed and things. So people don't know, say, sometimes for your parent to send you to that school, which is most expensive, they sacrifice for that. You know what I mean? So when I was becoming the DJ, of, it was obviously very, like, mind-blowing to my mom because she was like, look how much money I spend for your Odessa and to try to keep you... You know, in your mind gear to, 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 to do law or to do, you know, medicine like your grandfather did. But it just wasn't my thing, you know. No, it's not your destiny. Mm. Your destiny was this and this is, this is your thing. <laughs> yeah. So, when you got the call to do a track with Beyonce. Yeah. Beyonce. What was that about? Or were you just like, nah, it's just Beyonce. Tell you the truth, she and Destiny's Child opened for me at one of Kimani's shows. I remember! Up, up in Kimani's. Temple Hall. Oh, Temple Hall sides. Temple Hall. That was, was the first time I came to Jamaica. Oh, right. Yeah. So around them years. Yeah. So it was a show called Groove in the Hills, and they, were, they had one song up. At the time, I was a known dancehall DJ in Jamaica, and it was like, you're the headline for this show. So they opened for me back then. And, um, I, you know, I watched their progress. I always loved them, how them sound, how them look. Um, I see one girl drop out of the group. <laughs> and I like, what's going on? And then I hear that she's doing her own solar project on Chicago. And they were like, yo, um, would you do us? I said, fucking sure. <laughs> she bad like what? So at first they sent the track and my out underneath my mango tree in my car and I, and me a DJ the lyrics them and put it together and thing and a mango drop out the tree and drop straight and I'm like I'm said that tune is sweet <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I thought I thought because it was her it was going to be a hit anyway but I felt a special little vibe so I did a first verse and then they called me and I said come to Miami and I went and did the second little part, and she was there. And she kind of, she was way focused, I remember. She walked into the room, because I got there first. And she walked in the room, and she was like, yo, come here, is your cameraman there? And I was like, no. And she was like, who the fuck? She said, yo, who sent that cameraman there? And they were like, them time that you never used to, used to keep it a secret and then mm -hmm. put out the word. But yeah. now it's not like, yo, we yeah. are doing a tune, yeah. we are doing a tune. <laughs> So it was different back then. So, so um, she was she cussed off her record label, cussed management, kick out the cameraman, 
And then we get down to business where it was just me, she, and Scott Storch. Nice. And you know, she, I, her verses changed after I did my thing. Ah. And I hear so Jay Z write one of the verses ah. for her too. The one where I said, "Oh no, my baby." Let baby go. Yeah, that does sound like you, though. <laughs> so yeah. Yo, so that just took off. That was like a next superstar. That just kind yeah. of like, yeah, you bring, give me the light, and then it was just like. Yeah. And it was very fortunate and it was very cool that because dancehall was, was growing, but then when I, when Gimme the Light did, it went whoop, and then everybody was like, what is that? I can't remember arguments like my cousin, his wife is a teacher in, in, in Florida and she called me and told me, yo, these kids are arguing about you. I'm like, what do you mean? She said, some of them was like, that's new hip hop. And the Caribbean kids is like, no, not a dancehall, you can't, can't take that from me. And, and, you know, I had to tell her on the phone and say, yeah, tell him his dance yeah, or music. Um, so it was that huge. It was a buzz in the States and in Canada and UK and, and, and those areas. And so she, she coming for me at the time, just solidified it. You know what I mean? It was like, yo, she's a huge star right now. She's going on her own and she wants to work with this dude. And so they gave us reciprocal rights, which means... She can put it on her album, I can, can put, put it on, on mine that's as well. Perfect. So that was a that was a so, win-win for me. Yeah. It was yeah. really cool. And then you just kind of from that became the most sought out artist to have on anybody's track. Yeah, it was. It's a hit. If you put Sean on your track, <laughs> it got. It Is was there from anybody then. that you though would love? Like you want you haven't worked with that you want to work yeah, I, I wanted I wanted to work with Alicia Keys from the moment I was in my house. I was on turn on TV. I mean, I make a look at something and, and I look up. There was no sound. I want to see this beautiful goddess looking at me and singing by a piano. I was like, who the girl? I'm turning it up. And I was like, damn, this song is crazy too. Wow. Um, the first song that she had, right? So yeah. I was like, yo. Falling. Yeah, I was yeah. like, that is amazing, and I'm ready for work with her. And so you haven't up to the yeah, it's true. No, and me, me, me and Swiss Beats talked about it about two years ago. Him sent me a reggae one drop track. I was like, yo, I'm ready. Send me track, send me track, and they stopped talking. Swiss, so I, I don't know. Just, just talk to the camera and tell us to say know. one one. Nah, it's good. It's good. It's Sweet. good. So. <laughs> Just Alicia Keys. She and I also had wanted to do one with Shakira for years. And if you remember the song Mad Love I did with, with Becky G a mm -hmm. couple of years ago, that was actually, she was, Shakira was actually on it. Oh. And it was a dream come true. And I'm like, I was yes. like, yo, I've waited for 20 years to do a tune with you since 1998. And it's like 2016 now, it's almost 20 years. <laughs> it was about 2018, 17 it was. And... She called me one day and said, listen, I have an album coming out and I hear you're trying to drop the tune now. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> and it just mashed me up. It mashed me up. I don't even think I look back on the phone. I think I threw away the phone. <laughs> I threw it away. And, and I, love, I, love, I love Shakira. You know? I love Shakira. I do love her. And, yeah. and, and, you know, Becky G, when they suggested to put her in it, I was like, because I met her when she was 13 years old, right? So, and I'm a big man at the time. <laughs> and, but, she, but by this time, she's 21 now. Mm -hmm. But I was just like, still seems like a little yeah, girl to me, yeah. you know? But um, when I heard her, there was other people who tried it out after that. And I was like, yo, Becky, really, I do the thing. And she called us and said, if there's anything else we want to do. So it was one day I was in France or somewhere, and she fit, she. The, the, it's not, we didn't have Zoom them time, mm -hmm. FaceTime or something, mm -hmm. while she in the studio and I gave her the backups, ad-libs to do. She was really on point. I was like, yo, this girl work hard and mm -hmm. don't make sense to take it from her. Mm -hmm. Make her do it. I Ended up being a huge tune. You've been doing so much. There's mm -hmm. loads of stuff. Like, you're the Latin artist now as well. Like, <laughs> remember everybody used to think that he's not Jamaican, he's yeah, yeah. from... I was from Puerto Rico. No, he's Guyana. My family knows him in Guyana. I told him, that. When I go to New York or even Canada. Everyone's speaking the Spanish. Everybody's just like, yo, not even speaking Spanish. They're just thinking I'm from their place. I heard you have Puerto Rican roots. Like, no, from DR? No. Mm? Jamaica, come on and go. Jamaica. I'm like, why, bro? Jamaica, like, Jamaica. I did some of the, my thing there. 
what do you want to see what's got like okay you had a recent thing in the media with 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 one of our media houses mm. what is it that you want from media i'm going to say it again what do you want to see more when it comes to media and our artists because you said something and they took it totally out of context mm. of what you were saying yeah. it was a big thing yeah. and what do you think that media needs to be our media locally as well do you think they need to have i don't know how i'm going to word it here here where you, i know what you're saying yeah but here is a problem it can't be stopped because people want to sell them thing mm -hmm. even people who just start up them youtube channel Somebody come to the yesterday and said, yo, I know if I manipulate the place now, you know, because he had a headline and we were laughing at it. We were like, yo, bro, kind of headline that. And it was just like, I just know if I manipulate it to get more views now. So it's always going to happen. So that's why I'm kind of... So do you think that we should just start this with, we're actually dating? <laughs> we're going to divorce yeah. Jody. And really, we've been it probably would work. It probably would work. It probably would fucking work. But that's the thing, and that's what I don't like about the monster that we've created mm. in terms of media. Now, media used to be, it, it, it's supposed to be. Even the big publications, like mm. I read Billboard, I read all of the big publications, they've, they've dumbed themselves down. Yeah. And I, it, it's, it's disheartening that now we don't have any proper ethics and codes. That's and... the thing. The monster that we've created mm -hmm. has no ethics, no code. It was supposed to be to edify, educate, just like music is. But mm -hmm. again, everything is moving more to that way because it gets the clicks, it gets the tickets bought, it gets the people buying into or just even checking it out. So, you know, I even feel like people making up their, their little beefs sometimes around the place, you know what I mean? And, you know, it is what it is. I know that with the change that it would be something to contend with, with, with my own morals. Mm -hmm. you know, people used to be like bothering me to get on Twitter. Is my record label had to make, I was on a video shoot, and they made a Twitter, they said, give me your phone. And they, <laughs> and they put it in, and they're like, this is your Twitter now. I'm like, what? Because I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to be on the toilet and say, I'm on the toilet now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm eating ackee and saltfish. They didn't want to do it. You. No, and I, I mean, I said, Ching do it now, and he told me every lobby would go, <laughs> or stadium for sound check him, just to show everybody, and I'm like, that's really cool, because for him, he can show yeah. his crowd, like, but, but for me, I just don't think like you that. I still like the illusion. When, I, yeah. I like the illusion of people don't, not having yeah. to know everything about Yeah, you, you know, I, um, when, when I was in Japan the first time when, these little digital cameras just got small what like this. What again? I used to have one. Everybody gave us one. Flip, flip camera them, right? So they, they gave in. us and they're like, influence people. Ah. I didn't use my own, but everybody in my group, my brother, Steve, and the Blackberry thing and sticking pictures. And I was like, you are all not living right now, you know? In the Matrix. Yeah, you go, you go <laughs> home and you look back on it and you're like, that was weird. But you don't feel the feeling. A bird just shit on your head, you never felt it. You know what I'm saying? You're like, to me, that's how, it, that's how I, I think. Mm -hmm. But I get the whole being able to promote yourself. I get the whole being able to, to, to show people your lifestyle. And, and, but I just know that that monster has been, coming, been becoming more narcissistic. Like you look on certain girl pages, just them face and them booty, just mm -hmm. alone, just the whole mm -hmm. thing on Instagram. It's mm -hmm. like, all right, no, I like that. And so, you know, like, even when my wife would have said, oh, what kind of, who you follow, who them people are? I'm like, this, no, IG to me, is just like Playboy <clears throat> or Penthouse magazine was back in the day. Yeah. I mean, you watch it, I mean, click on a little porn and check it out and catch our vibes. Yeah. That's what this is. That's what it is, man. So I want people to know your son, especially your daughter, them. That them I do. And, and, and it's just... That monster of pedophilia, that monster of narcissism, it's just getting closer and closer to a singularity point where we're not caring about not shit no more. Mm -hmm. So it is what it is, but I'll keep my morals and mm -hmm. I, will, I, will, you know, I will try to instill them in my son and my daughter as mm -hmm. much as possible. I will, bro I will bro <clears throat> bring my person to you. <laughs> 
All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to That Reasonings Part 1 with Sean Paul. Part 2, Dutty Rock, is going to be continued over on Episode 28. So uh, stay tuned for that. And until then, I'm your host, Odessa. Linkage Laters. Peace. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.